Hey everybody, welcome to Joyous Eclectic, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the interesting in all sorts of music. Let's get to it! Gentlemen, what you guys been listening to this past week? Oh, I wasn't ready for that question. I wasn't ready for that question at all either. Here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, no, yeah, go for it. Okay. Or or whatever else you were going to say. I was ready for the question because I'm always ready. You tricky. I really wasn't ready for the question. Actually, I wasn't uh, particularly. (laughs) um, I was blindsided for a minute. This week, uh, I listened to a whole lot of stuff. I listened to some seriously crazy rave music at laser tag the other night (laughs) it was like that but like 100 bpms faster um let's see oh oh oh, uh um saint vincent recently put out a kind of new record it's i say kind of new because it's um it's piano covers of her latest record uh mass seduction interest called mass education in los ageless the wind in love, sageless, the mother's milk, they young. They are super sexy. <laughs> yeah, it's, so the whole record is just, it's the same songs in the same order as the most recent record that is completely, you know, loaded in guitars and drums and keys and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, well, this one's just very, like, stripped down version of all that, and it's just piano and vocals for the most part. Um, there's a couple guitars throughout the album, but not really. I think there's like a violin uh, on one of the ones. Yeah, there. there's like like a pick, picked violin, and uh, it's it's just very bare bones, but it's very very good. So if you like uh, that music, then you'll definitely like this. Uh, Saint Vincent Annie Clark has just a tremendous voice and really knows how to play the guitar, but uh, her vocal style is is very unique and fun and interesting. And this record really gives you a chance to explore that more and. Uh, it's very, it's very neato. I kind of like it better than the uh, than the actual record itself. I really hmm. do like the record, but to me, it's it's very electronic based, and some of the some of the songs are a little off putting, just because like I, I want more instrumentation in them instead yeah. of you know just like a drum beat synthesizer, and you don't really get that. But on this, you know, when all that's taken away, you kind of get to see these songs for you know what they really are and they're they're really good songs they're mm-hmm. to me they're they're better than the you know complete production so mm-hmm. interesting yeah yeah i haven't listened to either one of those so i'll have to do that i've heard like random stuff off mass seduction and i randomly heard one of the songs from the <clears throat> piano education. album yeah mm-hmm. mass education and uh, and yeah i was at work and i was like hmm, this is pretty sexy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean just the whole album of mass seduction i feel like was was pretty sexuality centric yeah, like kind of the kind of the overall theme of that mm-hmm. album and so it, it being stripped back to like just pianos and vocals it's like i don't really have anything to pay attention to <laughs> yeah other than what she's singing about <laughs> and i don't really understand what she's singing about all the time mm-hmm. and 
just i mean that's that's honestly the case of most of saint vincent's music for me uh, is mm. like i don't really know what she's talking about right now and <laughs> um, she's a super fantastic musician and really talented and a very good guitar player and super cool and everything and her like the instrumentation i'm glad you said all really that cool. she was going to be really offended i know she's she gonna be really mad. No, I, mean, like, I really like saint vincent's music i do and i've seen her a couple thanks of for times, being such an avid really, listener really saint neat. vincent <laughs> yeah just so much that i know you really I know caring about name. us and uh no but it, but yeah it's <clears throat> i don't really pay much attention to lyrics until they're shoved in front of my face and then i was like huh what are you talking about there <laughs> <laughs> which will be made even more evident <laughs> through this episode yep, <laughs> yep. uh so i I will say what I listened to this week. I had an exciting Tuesday night. Yeah. I went and saw Minus the Bear and Caspian. Midnight on a beach in the Mediterranean. And I miss you. Even here to Hey! Hey! That's uh, Minus the Bear's farewell to farewell to you so i got an email a little while back that was like hey we're doing a farewell they personally reached out to me and told me that's they wow. love you i know they really saint vincent and mice the bear love you <laughs> they're just avid listeners us, of this yeah. show uh, like Chad, that's just the, the Chad just part, specifically that's the guy. Yeah. they actually like edit, they've got their they go fingers sitting it. on yeah. that 15 seconds later button just this guy, don't this guy doesn't even care about me. the lyrics <laughs> send them an email <laughs> all of our lyrics have been pointing towards this show and him coming he's not heard the message dang it what a uh, messed up man yeah but nah, so that wasn't I don't know whatever I got an email that said they were doing their farewell tour, and I got really bummed out because I had never gotten to see them, and I've liked them for a really long time, mm-hmm. and they never come to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, dang. I guess I'll check out where they're playing anyways to just be let down again. And their <laughs> their very first stop was at 3rd and Lindsley in Nashville. That's awesome. So, that seems like a small venue for... There were a lot of people in there, yeah. too. Because mm-hmm. the last few times I've been there, it's been like, oh, there's just tables everywhere in a really small stage. Or yep. there's been like the stage that is there, but there's still tables everywhere. And so you can probably fit like 100, 200 people in there. There were only tables upstairs mm-hmm. and like around the, the walls of this one. And there were, I think there were forecasted to be like 600 people there. Wow. It was That's wild. a lot of people. It was a lot of people. Room. Yeah. So me and my wife... My wife, uh, specifically, yeah, I know. I said it, and then I was like, well, I have to back up a little bit. Um, we we planned to leave pretty early, because, I mean, the doors were open at 6, and the show wasn't scheduled to start until, like, 8 or something, but we left really early, because my wife's pregnant and didn't want to stand for, you know, however long. True. And I didn't. I don't blame her. Like, I would love to sit for any concert that I ever go to. You're so, pregnant. Because I'm well. pregnant, yeah. too, and my feet hurt all the time, mm-hmm. and so... Back when I was pregnant, I could stand at any concert. So yeah. wow. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, some of us are just not as strong boys as others. <laughs> uh, but so we we got there for fairly early and, and found a good like table upstairs, and that was that was a pretty good location to like be able to see what's going on and and be able to like order food and and hang out. And so that was really good. Uh, Caspian was super dope. Mm-hmm. They were super heavy, mm-hmm. and for uh, you know four guys playing guitars and a drummer they make a bunch of noise <laughs> just a lot of noise yeah uh, and so that was super cool like they played dark field which is one of my favorite songs that they do and they do all this like looping stuff and make all this the ear candy that i talked about in that was, was that the super clean was that the song that we listened to in that episode mm-hmm. cool yeah it's got all the like reverse delay stuff that yep. they do mm-hmm. in that one it, it's just it, it was really well done uh for it just kind of being them and then yeah minus the bear played a really like 
good mix of a lot of their older songs from like this is what I know about being gigantic and Minoseloso and Planet of Ice and just a lot of older stuff and like one or two newer songs and yeah I, I, I'm super pumped about that because I love their older stuff I feel like, like that's appropriate for Farewell yeah, Tour like yeah. that just feels yeah like we haven't played these songs in a really long time and so we're gonna play them one last time mm-hmm. you know as we tour around and like ended on Pachuca Sunrise and all this stuff and yeah. it, was, it was just super good but they do have a couple of new songs coming out on a EP called uh, we're breaking up we're leaving yep that's it no yeah. it's it's called <laughs> Fair Enough I think Farewell Enough uh, yeah like. Farewell Enough hey. Uh, hey. it is called Fair Enough but they have a couple of singles off that called viaduct and fair enough uh that are just like really cool songs too they're more kind of their return to form from somewhat popular stuff into more of the like math rocky stuff that i really enjoyed about them yeah yeah. cool that's fun fair enough enough. (laughs) (laughs) i also my listening times was also a show that i went to yesterday um last night which i uh, I know I'm not old. I'm oh. I'm turning 27 in a, in like two weeks or so, Oof-a-doof-a. and so I'm not old as far as numbers go. But like, just feeling like an old soul and like a lazy bones, um, it, getting out of the house at 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. being sad about it, I was like, wow, I'm I'm kind of that's kind of lame. <laughs> but nevertheless, I got out of the house at 7 p.m. and uh, went up to went up to Nashville and. <laughs> did all that mm-hmm. uh yeah went to marathon music works for the first time oh yeah uh it's it's cool venue. oh yeah, yeah it's a nice little spot yeah it's a good size i feel like for just in general i don't know yeah. um so but i went and there were three bands playing i was there to see thrice and then the other two bands i'd never heard of in my life um, so the first I came in a couple minutes late so Teenage Wrist had already started which is a band that I'd never heard of I still don't really know much about but they kind of seemed like typical 20 to 25 year old-ish um, sort of like emo rock kind of something or other and they were fine but I didn't really care about them you know at all. I wouldn't have imagined that I mean them being called Teenage Wrist and I, everything oh <laughs> man I know I just feel like they're gonna be sad about that in like next week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like very soon but you know whatever um, but but they were fine they were um, they did some things that were neat but overall nothing spectacular and I I have like a weird time at shows I feel like because a lot of bands especially like bands that I haven't heard of if they do really well or whatever I'll like get really in my head and like mm-hmm. think about instead of paying much attention to the music it's just it's a back backdrop for me to process like why am I not doing more music or something like that or like <laughs> uh, performing or any yes. of that kind of stuff or like <laughs> I would play that differently he like he's not you know any of those kinds of th- yeah. things and honestly I mean frankly it's not that I even want to it's just that at shows for some reason that kind of thing goes through my head yeah. mm-hmm. so that first band played and that was uh, kind of all that and the, you know then between sets and stuff and the next band was setting up um and the second band was called the bronx and there i also had not heard of them and they were a, a kind of older guys for that scene the singer was 39 so not like particularly old but their drummer was like 52 um which again not old but just for that scene mm-hmm. and they're just like kind of classic hardcore punk more uh more singy than screamy the screaming was more like acdc kind of screaming oh, yeah. um 
And honestly, like there could not have been a better band for like what I needed right then at that <laughs> night because it's not music I would ever really listen to on my own at all. Like it was kind yeah. of MXPX-ish, I'm guessing. I haven't oh. listened to them very much, but that was sort mm-hmm. of what it kind of felt like it was. Um, and the whole thing started with, A, I noticed this super tall guy that I'll call Goliath just for <laughs> sake. Um, probably like six nine or so. I Ooh. don't know how tall people are, but he was very tall. Six nine, like he's like, my, the top of my head was just beneath his shoulders. Oh jeez. Um, and also like very broad, just like just a big dude, big buff guy. Mm. Um, and he was standing up towards the top, and you could tell like he was here for the Bronx. And oh he yeah, was so psyched <laughs> and just really happy about it. I tried to get a video of him because that the beginning started out with like a jungle beat kind of a thing hmm. before the band came out and he was like getting all hyped up and <laughs> looking all around like yeah yeah uh-huh, yeah uh-huh. And i feel like just he helped rile up the crowd and then the band was just like such a fun time where the songs i have no idea what they're singing about it was probably it was, it was you know punk type stuff so like uh like government blah 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 like don't worry about the man and all that kind of stuff but government just, yeah. don't worry about the man <laughs> exactly uh, so literally like, every punk I'm not song. worried about the man <laughs> yeah, good old Goliath so, he ain't worried about now no I'm man. picturing like three bongo players in the back because of jungle beats yeah. like <laughs> don't worry about the man <laughs> it's a beat poetry or whatever yeah oh man so it was great, honestly, because th- that whole time during that set, I was just having a grand old time, like not worrying about anything, just enjoying it and stuff. And at one point, the singer from the band came out and like it, they had a little mosh pit or whatever. And and before the song started, you know, the guitarist was doing something and the singer was just like looking around, standing kind of in, in the middle of the circle of people. And he was like, you guys like when this song starts. You got, you got to go and like we got to do this and he looked up at Goliath and he was like I'm not worried about you you got this you're, you're awesome man and then he just like and the singer also for context is like probably 5'2 five, 5'3 five, or oh, so bald kind of buff guy as well uh-huh. and so they hug each other and it's like uh-huh. the disparity of difference yeah. oh man it's just such a great time I had a smile on like just that whole time and again i'm probably i don't know if i'm gonna ever listen to the bronx again but it was fantastic for that good show. experience yes yeah. indeed so yeah after they finished up i uh headed over and uh my friend darren who is an old co-worker of my dad's but he was actually thrice's youth leader back when they were in high school um random yeah so he got to go there because he knew them and stuff so i got to briefly go backstage and meet a couple of the guys from the band for like a half a second oh, nice. and that was really fun <laughs> um so yeah which you know is always one of those slightly surreal things of like mm. i've seen your picture <laughs> i know a lot times. about you <laughs> yeah right exactly so although i mean i'm not the kind of person that i do that much research on besides probably the guys in under oath is the band that i know the most about them personally and that kind of stuff mm. but even then probably not nearly as much as lots of other fans and stuff but still it's like i know your music really really well <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> so I'm sure I came off a little bit awkward, um, but I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. So, but it was, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah. And then Thrice just killed it. And like, didn't even realize how many just singles they had to, like, not in the 
radio single kind of way, but just songs that every song they played, everyone was like, oh, it's this song. Yeah. You yeah. know, like there were a couple that seemed like a bit deep cuts, but they played probably like an hour and a half and every song was just a banger. Yeah. Uh, and then they came out for their encore and played two songs from their first two albums, which are like before I started listening to them in their very punk days. And I was like, I don't know these songs really, but everybody else is having a good time. (laughs) So yeah. So that's what I was listening to. And I went back and listened to some more of their older stuff again today, just because it was a grand old time. So that was my long, uh, fun story from the weekend. That's fun. And then I came back and I was tired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What time did you get back home? Uh, honestly, not that late. It was like 11 or so. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I was really surprised. No, 1130, whatever. Minus the bear played for like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Caspian only played from like probably 810 to about 840. Uh huh. And then minus the bear got out there and played for a very long time, which was good. Again, farewell to your kind of thing. But yeah, we didn't get home until like a little after midnight or yeah. something. And it was just like, Oh geez, I gotta go to work. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to spend a whole show sometime talking about shows because like, there's so much nuance that goes in there. The one mm-hmm. thing that I'll say that got me thinking about that too, is like, I assume minus the bear did an encore where they yeah, like leave, you clap yeah. a bunch, they come yeah. back. Um, when I saw Emery live like two years ago or whatever, was I think my favorite thing where they were like, all right, this next song is our last song. And then technically we'd like leave stage and you guys would clap and then we'd come back. Um, but that's that's just too much work. You all know we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so what we're going to do instead, we're going to play this last song and then we're just going to turn around and face the back wall. You clap for like like 15 seconds. We'll turn back around and we'll keep playing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely been to that show and before. I was like, yeah, you guys got it's it. It's so nice because yeah. I yeah, want to go home. I would rather do that because yeah. it's like this... That is the one bad thing about Minus the Bear yeah. took a, a quite a while. And honestly, mm. probably for those dudes, because they're all getting pretty old too. Like, yeah. I mean, their lead singer is like almost 50, yeah. actually. And wow. so for them, it was like, go backstage, towel off for a little oh, bit. Yeah. Because also Dave Netson gets super sweaty. <laughs> Every picture of that dude playing live, he looks like he jumped in a pool. Yeah. Uh, so Man. I'm sure for them, it was like, got to towel off for a minute and then we'll go out that and makes do this sense. thing again. But it was like a solid couple of minutes. It's always a little bit like, awkward because you just don't know are they actually okay, gauging on. whether or not they're going to come back yeah and like but surely they're going to I, like, I think it's more just like everyone has formality it's on the set list yes that you're going to yeah. come back and do more songs yeah i think it's yeah. just a formality thing or a lot of bands like to go back and towel off yeah and have some yeah, water just take them i just love take a breather I, I, when i'm going to play my encore i love to go backstage uh, eat a burrito, <laughs> um, like pet some cats. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, no, I always snuggle make sure up. they have cats. <laughs> Ample cats. Yeah. There's no cats. I'm not playing. Forget it's it. on the rider. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Uh, hey, you guys want to get into the topic for the day? Let's do yes. It. Nice. Let's do it. What is the meaning of life? What is an album? Album. Album. Oh, hey, we're back. Uh, And uh, so we are talking about concept albums. Yeah. Concept, concept, concept. Concept, concept, concept. concept, concept. Um, What is the concept? Okay, so I I asked, I actually asked Mitch after he said this, I was like, do you want to come on the show sometime? Mm -hmm. Just because it would be fun because, I mean, he he listens to music, but also doesn't like know a lot of the 
lingo or whatever of various things. And I was like, so we're talking about concept albums. He's like, is that like when, when you have a thought for what an album's going to be, but it's not going to, it's just going to be like conceptual and not going to exist. And I was like, I mean, no, I mean, that's a really good term for it. Yeah. <laughs> is. I've got a concept for an album. Like, and I'll be totally honest. Jaboy over here had to Google it. <laughs> yeah. Really? This, I was like, interesting. What would you have heard the term? Yeah. Well, I've heard the term, but I've always thought it was more like, you know, a rock opera or a very like mm-hmm. concerted, like, yeah, uh, not just thematic, mm. but a very like you know, Pink Floyd's The Wall is a concept. Yeah, album. like it, from start to finish, it has to tell a story, and mm-hmm. it, it like it has to be and... very focused, mm-hmm. like lazy. And yeah. so, I, I, you're also going to see Jaboy take some creative liberties <laughs> yeah. with what com- constitutes think... a, gr- a concept album. Yeah, but I did totally. learn that the 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 definition is actually a little bit looser than yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot more quote unquote concept albums than I would have really thought. Yep. And even some albums that I really like that it, I knew had kind of a central theme, mm-hmm. but didn't realize like, Oh, that's just <laughs> what a concept album is. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So. And that's, I think there's a, um, like you said, there's a lot of liberties that can be taken. I think some of it almost is, the intention of the album yeah. is almost more related to whether or not it's a concept album than just the, well, okay. There's some gray area. There's some stuff where it's like, well, no matter what, that's definitely a concept album. Like you listen to it and like hundred percent, you can just yeah. tell it is even if they did it on accident, which I guess arguably wouldn't be a concept album anymore, but mm-hmm. it, you know, that is, um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I feel like there are some times where somebody could be like, the concept of this album is love. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, well, I mean, kind of, I mean, sure. Like, depending on how you do it, that could mm-hmm. kind of be one. But uh, it's, you know, also you could have an album where the same exact songs exist, but somebody was just like, I'm just going to write some songs, put them on an album together. And it, they're all happen to be songs about love versus one where you went into it with the intention of like songs of this thematic yeah. theme of love. Yeah, I mean, really, I think uh, it's more, it's the definition that I would consider a concept album would be something that tells a story, right? be it lyrically or musically, yep. or both. Yeah, just because you have 13 songs all about love on a song doesn't necessarily make it a concept album, but if yeah. the musical themes and melodies and maybe some lyrics or something like that get repeated, mm-hmm. you have a stronger case, I guess. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple albums that I was thinking about that, you know, the opening song uh, does this particular thing and then the ending song kind of has like the coda mm-hmm. back to yeah. whatever the opening song did. But the in-between doesn't really have anything to do. It's mm. just kind of like, well, yeah, we like it's recycled parts yeah. from throughout the album. That doesn't necessarily make it a concept album. But yeah, I, I guess like back in the day because i listen to all those like rock operas mm-hmm. and the pink floyd and, and and all that stuff and rush like rush was another huge yeah. band that wrote like yeah. so many concept albums and a lot of like early prog rock bands yeah as a prog like rock like king crimson and, and those kinds of guys and they were really good at it but like they were telling very specific stories about very very specific things like yeah. almost like a novel right not just like an alien comes down and does yeah. this thing yeah yeah all a, a lot of times one of them that i'm gonna talk about tonight has to do with aliens but a lot of times <laughs> they had to do with i have a aliens. feeling i know which one yeah. it is um but Hmm. <laughs> I'll keep you in suspense. Yeah. No, you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. I just looked at the list. Is what, is what a... Super suspense. 
you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a pretty common theme, especially yeah. among classic rock, is is the aliens coming down or something like that, or or like a fantasy story of some mm-hmm. kind. Um, I think as the years have progressed, yeah, the term has gotten a lot looser. And now a concept album can really just mean, I mean, like I would consider something like, you know, neutral milk hotels in the airplane over the sea, a concept album. Yeah. It's really not. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll throw this out here because in Jaboy's Googling about everything <laughs> he had to look at, I like just to figure out kind of what we were dealing with. I looked at a lot of lists that mm-hmm. different people have put out about like, also Jaboy is Chad in Jaboy this case. Is Chad. In case, Chad. case, in case There's no one here named J A B O Y. Jaboy's referring to him that way because he didn't know much about the stuff and uh, going into it. Um, now I, in a lot of that, like Googling, I found, a lot of lists and just mm-hmm. to like help myself kind of understand like the sorts of albums that mm-hmm. were considered this or to kind of bridge that gap almost every single one that i found that was like any kind of concept albums of either the modern era or like indie rock or anything almost 100 percent of the time in the in an airplane over the sea yeah. was in the like number two or number one spot mm-hmm. yeah and that mm-hmm. that makes sense it's because it, it, Tell me it a little is. bit about that. I don't know really anything about it. So essentially, the album is, I mean, it came out in 1997, and Jeff Mangum wrote the whole thing. I mean, he was kind of the mastermind behind it. And I think the reason that it, it's pretty highly regarded as like the best indie rock album, hmm. maybe of all time. Um, and it, it's a Extremely great album. It's, it's really influential. It's very monumental, especially for the time that it came out. And the, like the instrumentation on it, it wasn't really something that had ever been used before uh, in that context. It's very, it's very like acoustic punk almost, um, mm-hmm. with like a lot of heavy, heavy rock influences. But then there's things like trumpets and accordions scattered all throughout the record. But uh, the the themes of the record are are really, really close knit. A lot of the songs have the same chord progressions, and nice. or they recycle the same or very similar melodies and things like that. Motifs. And yeah. Such. A lot of motifs get repeated and, uh, the, the production is pretty consistent all the way throughout. Like, you know, a lot of pop mm-hmm. records will have, you know, an acoustic guitar driven song one minute and then like a super candy shop pop beat, right. you know, the next, <laughs> yeah. this album is, is very, very like all this, a lot of songs bleed into the mm-hmm. next one. Um, it's not a concept album because it doesn't really tell a specific story so much as it goes into different themes about mm-hmm. humanity and the horribleness that people have been able to do. Like, there's a lot of mentionings of, you know, like the Holocaust and mm-hmm. World War II and, and things like that. Um, so that I think that's like one of the a, a more modern definition of what a new concept mm-hmm. album is. It doesn't tell a specific story. And I don't really know a lot of the direct messages, if there are any, that the lyrics are trying to say. Yeah. But because it sounds so consistent mm-hmm. and so the same the whole time, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of diversity in the record. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's considered a concept album. Yeah. I think I, a lot of sorry, just yeah, a lot of what it. I had kind of seen about what people considered concept albums were generally just that they had like a specific theme that everything was dealing with, and you usually an intentional theme, not mm-hmm. necessarily right. like well everything's about love. Right. So it's okay. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. It's it's not really that, but there's usually something that they're trying to say with every song, um, and and usually, honestly, most of what I found was that the things that were considered concept albums were pretty much exclusively because of the lyrical focus yeah. of yes. the thing. That like I 
didn't really think I could talk about anything post-rock related because <laughs> at that point, like you can say any album is a concept album because all the songs are about space <laughs> or the yeah. ocean right? or the, you know, yeah. and so it's kind of hard. But then you look at the, the, some of the more, not even just like modern concept albums, but even just like the prog rock focused ones where um, it, it was mostly about the lyrical content. And I know Mastodon's still fairly like modern but they like uh between leviathan and the name of the album that came after that that i can't remember like those those are they do tell stories but they're very like norse very like Mm -hmm. viking centric kind of stories so i think um this is one of the albums i was going to specifically talk about today as far as using an example but um the album you were never alone by emery it kind of solidifies this point in my mind, at least that a concept album, a lot of times. Yeah. I think lyrics, you're right. is definitely a significant part of it and the intention and all of that. Um, because this is an example of what the singer definitely considered a concept album, but it doesn't necessarily fit the story mold and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was that, um, he kind of sort of was having writer's block, didn't really know what to write about. And I think sometimes putting yourself in other, like in a different mind space to like to kind of help cure writer's block or whatever, but like writing from the perspective of something else or writing yeah. like with a topic in mind or something like that is kind of what exit on. And so this album, all the songs are sound like they could just be normal songs, but really they're um, songs written from perspective of somebody in the Bible or whatever. Mm. So it'd be like written from the perspective of Ruth mm. from, you know, yeah. Ruth and, or like <laughs> Jesus in a specific scenario or whatever, where, um, but they're all, you know, not for any, they're not cheesy or whatever either to where it just sounds like somebody in this situation is like, Oh wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it doesn't have a through line so much as all of those are, you know, examples of situation you know, similar kinds of perspective stories or whatever. Uh, But it's different because it's not like one narrative at the same time. So I feel like that was something thinking about that. um, (laughs) There's actually, um, well, no, I'll I'll get to that a little bit later, but I'll, I'll go ahead and go into my first one from here because it's a similar kind of thing. Well, it has more musical through lines than, um, than the Emery one does. Cause the Emery album pretty much is just a regular Emery album. It's mostly the lyrical content content that makes it a concept album in that sense. Uh, but this is the Everglow by May and the lyrics here. Let me read something from, uh, I was trying to look up stuff cause again, I don't listen to lyrics all that much. So I know like all the lyrics of this album, but I've never like thought about them as a whole and like how they all relate to each other and stuff. And with it not being like a super, super popular band, like, you know, super mainstream, there's not all that much stuff about it. Um, without just listening through every single song. Uh, so somebody wrote like an analysis of the whole album and their summary at the end was this, uh, with his powerful lyrics and euphoric musical compositions, the Everglow takes the listener along a poignant journey throughout love, real love, or throughout which love, real love is manifested and defined. It's about how love isn't a fairy tale yet. You want it more yet. You want it even more for that. It's about finding perfection and imperfection and realizing it's not about, someone that makes your life better it's about finding the other part of you and experiencing all the ups and downs that life has to offer but doing it together um so that's kind of like thematically all the stuff that's going on but then musically it does a thing where there's a prologue and an epilogue and it's uh 
I actually couldn't find it. It mentions in the prologue that this is the audio component of this uh, of this book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's like supposed to be, I guess, a picture book kind of thing that goes along with it. But mm-hmm. I've never owned it physically, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. But so it's probably just the you know booklet or whatever, and maybe has some drawings and stuff in it as well. But the whole album is supposed to feel kind of storybook esque, in that mm-hmm. you go through it. All this, most of the songs lead from one into the next one. Um, and so I, the thing I was going to play was just a bit from that. Cause I, I can't play like the themes from everything, <laughs> but, um, two of the songs that just lead from one into the next one. This is actually at, when we did transitions a while ago, I used the first of these songs, uh, the lead in into that one, but I'm using the outro from it into the next one now. So you've gotten the intro and outro from this song here, but this is the end of the ocean going into the beginning of the breakdown. And when the drums come in, you'll hear them. Uh, that's still at the end of the ocean and going into the beginning of the breakdown. So it's just kind of supposed to feel like a whole album as a whole that you wouldn't listen to individual songs so much as listen to as one whole composition. But uh, here we go. Let's listen to that. Okay, so that was the transition from the end of the one song into the beginning of the next song. The the first part of that that you were playing totally reminded me of the um the Willy Wonka the recent Willy Wonka movie like when the Oompa Loompas sing their like pop songs. <laughs> That's Man. not a bad thing at all because I really like that music, <laughs> but it just I totally got that impression for a minute without hearing the entire song yeah like hmm. that's funny <laughs> yeah so again i will say i am playing fast and loose with yeah. the definition of no, concept for sure. albums again pretty much learning about the concept of concept albums today <laughs> here's the <laughs> thing that i'll say too i feel like the traditional definition of concept album to some degree has gotten subgenred into rock opera and then concept yeah. album in general has broadened out to mean more things and so mm-hmm. that's what so rock opera still would be something very specific yeah whereas mm-hmm. again yeah concept, concept album can be could, a little bit more broad I, I mean and everything's subjective and words can mean whatever you want words to mean <laughs> blah, 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 yeah, blah 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 i mean like that's <laughs> the i guess the, the most people would agree that the original concept album or like the the way that they got popularized was through brian wilson and the beach boys writing pet sounds like that was the first i guess definition of a concept album but that's not a rock opera right it's just it's the first album where the there is like a continuous like through line of themes and even that album doesn't tell like a specific story or anything it's just it all has to do with this it revolves around the same like characters and yeah settings Mm -hmm. and things like that so yeah, yep. that's a pretty highly regarded like concept. Hundred oh, no, percent, yeah. I don't um, know. I regard it very lowly. <laughs> but for my, In my regards, <laughs> for my regards, I'll say no. Uh, the first one, I I think all of mine. No, two of mine I've talked about on the show before. But anyways, for the first one, I'll say I, I just wanted to talk about songs for the deaf. Um, this is a Queens of the Stone Age song, album. Shoo, excuse me, I can't talk. <laughs> I mean, also song. <laughs> also song. It is actually a song on the album, but it, it's a Queens of the Stone Age album that came out in like 2004. 
five, I think. Two thousand four or five. Yeah. Uh, sometime. Sometime in my mind, I just think of right? Queens of the Stone Age in the same time period. I've never really listened to them as the same time period as Queen, which is <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> yeah. A lot of ways. Not even a little bit. They're pretty much the same. Thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also Stone Temple Pilots. Like I in they my have mind. More that in common one, that with one makes that. sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's I don't know why I think of them the in the same breath as that. I think Stone Temple Pilots are definitely a little bit earlier than Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, they were like nineties, late nineties kind of um but queens of the stone age this is their first like kind of bigger success Mm -hmm. i would say it's kind of what made them get a lot of notoriety uh in that scene in general um but the whole like shtick for this album and what kind of makes it a concept album i guess is the fact that all of the songs are sort of tied together by weird like radio sounds in between so the whole album Mm -hmm. kind of plays like somebody flipping through the radio stations Uh uh, as they're just driving around and josh home kind of said like when they were putting this all together, they sort of got inspired by when they were touring, whoever was driving was just kind of constantly doing mm-hmm. this. And so they were like, how funny would it be if you were like flipping through all these radio stations and you just happen to keep hearing our songs. <laughs> and so they got a lot of different people to do like radio voice intros for different songs, you That's know, fun. about different mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like very like, Hey, welcome to the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Your desert radio hits. And now we're going <laughs> to listen to this new, new album by Queens of the stone age. And it's this song and it goes like, and, and it'll go into the song or whatever. <laughs> and it has a lot of like weird yeah, noises yeah. and it sort of ties the whole thing. Did together. you do all the intros? You're doing a great I job. I did all the intros yeah. for this. Yeah. You're a pro. Yeah. No, you know, uh, but so I, I've got the end of no one knows, which is probably the biggest song off that album. Um, but this is, just kind of without the context of that larger emphasis people that you play this song for are like what is this outro (laughs) Uh, so this is the end of no No, one knows Señoras y señoritas, aquí está el DJ Héctor Bonifacio Echeverría Cervantes de la Cruz Arroyo Rojas. Esta es la radio que sacó a toda la estación donde el rock vive y no muere. Vamos a escuchar un par de temas de Queens of the Stone Age. Primero vamos a escuchar First and Give It. Qué música impresionante, temible y verdaderamente ahora. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's like the two parts that I can pick out there. Queens of the Stone Age and First to Give It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another song That's off the, the album. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit too of, and you've probably heard this album, um, the Devil Was Prada's Zombie EP. I, I never actually. Looked. I got so frustrated by them in general that that's I just funny. Kinda, I like it's, like three of their songs. Yeah, so. you'd probably you'd probably enjoy the the EP. I think, um, and maybe some of their more recent stuff. I don't know. In any case, I saw like one video, and their keyboard has hacked me off the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he made me so well, mad because was that probably like a two thousand. Seven or something yeah, like that. Probably. Yeah. I just, you know, he's yeah. he's over there doing his hardcore dancing, oh, and then yeah. he like slams some hands down on the keyboard yeah. for a second, and goes back to dancing, yeah. and he plays like a chord and hardcore dances. Yeah. And and the whole time I'm thinking like that guy's getting paid to do that. Like, <laughs> what did it's I do wrong cool in my life? Playing piano and doing hardcore. But yeah. he's barely playing the piano. No, like, that's he's mostly yeah, a dancing. fair <laughs> argument. I mean, most keyboardists in uh, like yeah, that was honestly one of the things that I loved so much about being in ocean architecture is that our keyboardist was like every time people would see us setting up a keyboard for a show mm-hmm. it'd be like oh man that's not going to be good because metal is often notorious or that variety of metal is often notorious for that variety yeah, of keyboarding yeah, yeah. where you press one note and it's like yeah. 
and or instead Pidgey. Joe like yeah. was legit <laughs> yeah. playing it and it being metal. And well, that's stuff. why I really liked Chiodos too because yeah. Bradley Bell played for them and he was actually an amazing keyboardist. Yep. and it showed. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they've got an, an EP called the Zombie EP, and it was just a little concept EP after one of their albums came out, and uh, honestly, it's a lot of people's favorite <laughs> of their music because so it's uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's five songs that are about the zombie apocalypse, and there's some songs that end, and it's just. <laughs> Those broadcast messages brought you, oh, the end has come, blah, blah, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, it's it's just really neat having yeah. all that stuff. And it really immerses you in it where you're like, oh, no, what happened yeah, to these yeah. guys? Devil Wars Predator! <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of stuff so much. Yeah. You guys, I love concept albums. I have for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And they're always my, they're, they're my favorite to talk about because, like, I think I've said it on the show before. I'm an album guy and I love listening to the entire album Yep. and something being a concept album makes it all the more like inviting. It's like, Hey, we're asking you to come and listen to this whole thing. Like don't skip any songs. Cause you got to hear them all. If you want to get it. And I <laughs> love that. I love that idea. And going back to Pink Floyd's the wall, that was for a long time. It probably still is. I mean, it's, it's such a staple of concept albums because the concept alone is just such a great story and a, an amazing theme to like write a musical album about. You know, it's like if you haven't heard it before, it's basically this guy has a real rough upbringing. His dad goes off to war and dies, and his mom is like absent all the time and kind of a prostitute. And he like grows up and basically builds uh, like a wall and keeps people out until like and he he turns to drugs and all this stuff until he literally builds a wall around himself to shut himself out from the world and he like ends up becoming this dictator who like this fascist dictator who hates everybody who's not like him and it's just such a hmm. crazy album but. I think it's it's 28 songs altogether, and there's just a lot of those. Well, it's like yeah. it's it's the first time that I ever like got introduced to something like that. Where you know when I saw, it, I was like 28 songs. That's so much. <laughs> yeah. But there's songs that are like 30 seconds. Yeah. But yeah. they they have their own names and they're listed yeah. as tracks. I mean, it's kind of like uh, come on, feel the noise. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. But w- going back to what you were saying, like how those little like shtick things, I guess you could call them in be- those in between bits, they really immerse you in the album. And yeah the wall does that so much i mean there's like voices going on there's like cryptic voices and then there's like almost scenes out of a movie going i mean there was a movie to accompany yeah, yeah. this album <laughs> uh, and it's a great concert film not a concert film but it's a great film if yeah. you haven't seen it uh but yeah i love when albums do that because it just makes me so into it and i'm like yeah like you can relate to the character it's just like watching a movie or reading a book like you relate to the story that's being told and even though you might not get every song right at the you know the first time you hear it like you just want to listen to it more so you can get it that being said um the coolest i'm not going to talk about this album because unfortunately this was not a great album but the coolest concept that i (laughs) ever heard of for a concept album goes along with one of my favorite books uh called house of leaves and Mm. it was written in uh 2001 by mark z danieluski so mark danieluski wrote this book it's a horror novel and it's creepy as all get out like it is ridiculously scary and frightening of a book to read um and it's a very in-depth complex plot i'm not going to explain it all but uh part of the part of the story long story short the the narrator telling this tale 
the whole plot of the book revolves around him finding this story that was written by his next door neighbor who recently died. And in that story, lots of crazy stuff happens. It's like the story that's supposedly real, like this real account of stuff that happened, crazy stuff. Um, and the, the narrator who's reading this and trying to piece it all together from his dead next door neighbor is losing his mind throughout the book. And he doesn't know, like mm. he starts to lose grip on reality. Well, the, the dead guy who wrote the story within the story um, wrote a certain part that was basically like a list. It was an album, like lyrics to an album and like music and melodies to an album. And so it's kind of just like a passing thing early on in the book. Well, then like three quarters of the way through the book, the narrator goes to a club and he hears a band playing this album. Hmm. And he's like, what? And and you're, as a reader, you're like, wait, what? what is the album real? So then like you're starting to be like, what's real and what's not? Oh, yeah. Well, Daniel Lewski's sister wrote an album that was this. And it's on Spotify. Like, you can buy it. It is a real album. And it is all about, like, the goings-on in the book and, like, the lyrics that this made-up character wrote. It's crazy. And the whole thing is, it's, like, such a bonkers concept. But it's really, really cool. Yeah. I just wish the album was a little better executed. Yeah. It's early 2000s. So it has, like, a very evanescence feel oh, almost goodness. like that dark rock <laughs> uh -huh. kind of like yeah um <sighs> it's not a great album but it is a really cool concept but anyways uh i, I just love concept albums yeah. the first one that i want to talk about was arcade fires the suburbs yeah. uh -huh. uh, which is an album that came out in 2010 and it was very very popular for a good reason because it's probably aside from their first album it's probably the best thing that they did um i i first heard this album back in college like i'm sure a lot of fans of it did mm -hmm. um because arcade fire is definitely a college band and like you relate to them most when you're in college <laughs> and this album is all about growing up in the suburbs which is something that i could highly relate to and uh this is another really really long album that but each song it doesn't have as many like in between songs as you know something like the wall does but um each song is just all about like growing up and realizing, you know, like kind of taking an introspective look as to, you know, where your life is now compared to how it was when you grew up and mm -hmm. how most of the album talks about, you know, how better things used to be and how your life is kind of just crappy now. Like the narrator telling this story is just longing for what was. And then as the album progresses, the lyrics are kind of telling the story of like, well, no, I don't want things to be like the way they were. I just want things to be better than they are now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. by the end of the album, like the narrator has kind of completely given in to the idea of like, this is life now and there's nothing I can do to change it. So it, you're kind of like not back where you started, but it's, it's such a pessimistic album uh -huh. and it's, uh, but it's, it's covered in, you know, happy poppy songs, yeah. which is the craziest part. Um, but I, I really enjoy that. I, I like that like mishmash of you know happy upbeat tunes yeah. with like pretty depressing lyrics. So I wanted to just give a couple examples um, just to give you an idea of what this album is about. This one is the opening track off the album. It's called "The Suburbs." <laughs> Yeah, 
so that's the very opening track and uh the the very last track of the of the album is kind of a refrain of of that opening track except all the instrumentation is stripped away except for like a very light synthesizer keeping the chord mm. progression and uh when butler is singing um the same the same melody the same tune just um these completely different lyrics so this this song the suburbs is all about like growing up it's like in the suburbs i you know learned to drive and they told me we never survive and just like kind of reflecting back on what it was like when you were a kid and and the important parts of your life um and as the album progresses there's a lot of like just looking on like you know were things better back then or are things better now there's a song called um rococo which is all about um like the kids nowadays and like how at first you think you know these kids don't know anything and what, <laughs> what are they even talking about like things were way better and then kind of realizing no not really like we were all the same and like this is just what the kids are doing now and they're mm-hmm. they're more with it than i ever was as a kid <laughs> and you know listening to that when i was in college i was like yeah that's pretty true <laughs> um going on uh, a song that's a little over halfway through the album um it, the one I'm gonna play next, it's called Deep Blue, and I, when I first listened to the song, I, it was just kind of one of the passing songs on the album. There are a few like less than stellar songs um, that are kind of just like maybe ones you could skip, but and this was one for me that I always skipped because I didn't get it, and like it just wasn't an interesting song to me. Hmm. And then I heard it, um, it played at the end credits of a movie that I watched uh, uh, called Boyhood, and yeah. that movie was wacky um <laughs> if, if you never saw that movie it's basically it's the one that was made a couple of years ago where it took them like 12 years to film it because yeah. all the cast members are just like the same but it takes place over 12 years well the very last scene in that movie is like you know basically just the main character and a new character just sitting in a field having a, a conversation you do not expect the movie to end right there because there is no resolution at all <laughs> to the story and the screen just cuts to black and this song plays and i was like what what (laughs) like that's not how it's supposed to end but then i was like man that's a really good song to end a movie on and uh it's the only song on the album that immediately starts with vocals and everything like kind of in um and so for that reason like i i went back and listened to this album again and i was like yeah this is the best song on Mm. the record so this is i love getting new perspective on songs mm. that you like weren't a fan of i know like wait a minute it's great really and then good. i felt like dumb for thinking that way <laughs> yeah that this was a bad song but i don't know so this is uh the very beginning of deep yeah so this song is all about uh kind of the modernization of technology and how it's not mm. great um <laughs> yeah like there's there's a line in here it's you know watching the end of the century compressed on a tiny screen and when i first heard that well like when i when i went back and listened to this and actually paid attention to the lyrics everything just jumped out at me as like mm. you know i'm like a freshman in college and i'm like man this is all this is so <laughs> true like uh, what have we even done like we're all on our cell phones so much and uh-huh. not, nothing really matters anymore and that's pretty much what I this mean, song is about <laughs> it's, it's true it's true man. put the phone down so turn this podcast off yeah you <laughs> uh, got so <laughs> I, man i referenced that too much like at pretty much least anybody who says anything about it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Or like, like, man, I tried. 
I tried, I tried so yeah. hard. It got, it got so, so far. far. One thing. Uh, <laughs> don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. I, I tried to do a thing for a while where I could figure out a way to punctuate it differently so that it was really unobvious for a long time that, like, it starts. With one thing I don't know, <laughs> why it doesn't even matter <laughs> how hard you try, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, Keep that in mind <laughs> as I explain. I, and I designed. Design this rhyme to explain in due time. In due time. All I know. Time is a valuable thing. I tried, out, by, I tried out to the fourth grade talent show with that hey! song. Hey! Oh. Uh, Didn't make oh, it. Oh, man. I've got a whole story about I'll I'll tell that another time. We've got too many important things to be doing. In a day but anyways i just want to play yeah. a little bit of uh the second to last song on the album because it's just a total banger uh this is a uh, sprawl two When she said with these, what, pretentious things? Yeah. Right there? And just punch the clock. Mm-hmm. I, my brain definitely heard that she was about to say, with these potato, something, something. <laughs> I mean, and she maybe. did not say potato. Maybe that was the first draft. I mean, yeah. you we'll never, never know. know. Maybe something, the concept was potato. about potatoes originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Palpatine potatoes? Changed. Yes. Palpa potatoes. Palpatine. Yeah, palpable potatoes. Palpable potatoes. Hmm. Palpable <laughs> Peter's palpable potatoes. <laughs> Peter Palpatine's palpable potatoes. Peter Palpatine, <laughs> <laughs> nephew of the Emperor. Seven the hours Palpatine. later, <laughs> <Yeah>. Peter Caterus Palpatine's Peter Peter Piper picked a pickle, pack a pickle. Yeah, you nailed it. I got nailed really good at that one for a while when I was a kid because it, I always did Peter Parker's. Uh, Peter, Parker. Peter Parker picked a pickle pepper. When I said when I was a kid, I was good at it. Don't get on to me now. Um, hey, you guys want to take a quick break? A break. Totally. And we'll come back break, with break, uh, some more. I, I've definitely been saving my best for upcoming. So upcoming, upcoming. don't go. Yeah, don't go far. Same here. All right. So concept albums, guys. Concept I changed my mind. They're very different now from what they are before the break now it's different okay now i didn't think far enough ahead that was a crazy concept now they're so different i get it now imagine imagine this imagine a land of robots um now scrap that completely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's different from that now. Okay. Now it's no longer now a land it's of a robots. Sea of robots. It's oh. a sea of robots and a sky of robots. And uh that's it. Cool. Oh. So kind of like a Transformers thing? Is it all just about Transformers? It's, Are concept albums all about the story of Transformers? Uh yeah, but these aren't this isn't even music anymore. This oh. is just it's not music about seas of robots. Did you guys see that they're making a <laughs> Bumblebee movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been around for a while, I think, right? Where have you been? What (laughs) is that? I I can't tell if you're excited or uh, appalled. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Me neither. 100%. I think it's going to be a hot pile of dookie. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's what most of those movies have been. I'm. (sighs) Wait. Do they say robots in the sky? Or robots in the sky? It's disguise. It's disguise. Okay. Yeah. Because you had me think, yeah, 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 like, like, is it robots in the sky? <laughs> Honestly, like anytime, 
so I feel like movies have had enough time and have enough people that can work on them. Like, if they're not good nowadays, like, what are you doing wrong? Or at least, if they're not horrible enough to be entertaining. So, That's like, I, I haven't seen Venom, but I've heard pretty much... Oh, just horrible things. I've heard either that it's, like, so bad that it's like, whatever, it's entertaining. Or also from a number of people, like, it's so bad, but not even, like, funny bad. Just, like, mm. not worth it bad. Yeah. And, like, that's the that's, that's the, the spot that I'm like, how? You have to kind of work to, <laughs> yeah. to hit that spot. Like, to be, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, that just sounds like it's just boring. Like, that's yeah. about all I can guess is it's just a boring movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's sad. I guess... I guess it's a mix for that particular movie maybe a mixture of trying to do fan service while yeah. also trying to be really edgy yeah yeah be edgy and remember cool when and... i was edgy me neither <laughs> so speaking of edgy um i okay i'm gonna do my my bigger one now and then if i want if we need to like speed through my last one i'll speed through my last one when that edgy happens Brock. what edgy brock edgy that's a brock. good one that's yeah. good. Yeah, I like that. It's like Eddie Brock, but it's edgy. Brock. Oh, I was just thinking Brock from Pokemon. And he, and he talks like I mean, a that small works too. child. Gym leader Brock. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. That. It doesn't matter. Who's Eddie Brock? Eddie Brock know. is the Venom guy who plays Venom. The oh, car- no. Not the guy who plays the Tom character. Hardy is. Yeah. yeah, yeah Eddie yeah. Brock in the movie. Yeah. But I just. I don't yeah. understand the accent that he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah. From what I've heard. I don't know. So this one. Anyway. Speaking of sky robots and sky land robots, robots and mm-hmm. land robots and fire and water lobots. 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 So take away the the low oh, bits from all those low bits there, <laughs> So really, what this is, I've actually I've talked about this album before, and I talked about the band a little bit. This show um, is the Alchemy Index by mm-hmm. Thrice. Uh, similar in some ways, again, we've mentioned to uh, Colors EPs yep. by the Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the Alchemy Index is yeah. I, I know I've talked about it on a couple episodes at some random point but i've never really gone into it very much here so i would love to do that uh oh okay that's why i was looking i was like i thought i only picked a certain number whatever <laughs> got distracted guys it's okay it's okay <laughs> it's okay it's okay it's okay, it's okay. um so it, the premise is there's four elements um in the alchemist's book of whatever things mm-hmm. i guess i don't know yeah. uh, fire earth water and wind mm-hmm. and so they made four six song eps that go in two disc sets um and so two of them or one set was fire and water and then another set was earth and wind uh, and the songs all it's it just makes me so happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I love things that f- care about the minutia, which is exactly what every single aspect of this album does. So all the songs, again, we don't we talked about like I don't notice lyrics very much. I don't pay attention to them that much. So if it were just songs that s- talked about fire and earth and water and wind, like I'd ma- I'd probably notice it eventually, and that would still count as a concept album. But it wouldn't really like. Yeah, sinking all that well for me because I wouldn't really care that much. Um, so the fact, I mean, just the fact that there's six songs in each EP and they're all, you know, the same, same in that sense. And then each EP, all the songs will just be, they're not like about fire, but it's about things related. To, for example, I, well, actually, I can't think of an exact example for the fire one. Um, 
But on the Wind EP, for example, there's a song about Icarus and Daedalus, his father. Mm -hmm. And so the whole song's about that. Or there's another song on that one about... um, about 9-11 and specifically oh, wow. like his planes and stuff mm-hmm. and then on the earth one there's kind of it's a little bit more like folksy and um some i, I don't know I'll, I'll i'll show actually a little bit of a song from each one and kind of how it sounds like it but all the songs are about those things and also the music sounds like those things like the fire ones sound very fiery the water mm-hmm. ones sound very watery etc etc <laughs> uh another thing that i really Just appreciate about squelushing. these yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah <laughs> Another thing I really appreciate about it, and I didn't notice this until one of my friends... Sorry, I was making exclusion noises. Oh, side note. I don't want to forget this. I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Uh, today, I I don't remember. I was saying washing, washing machine just for fun. And then I said wash, 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 wash. And then realized... If you say wash kind of slowly over and over again, it kind of sounds like the slow cycle in a washing machine. Wash, 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 wash. And then, this is really abstract now, I was like, what if I was the kind of person that I was really nice and normal and very regular in every regard? And so everybody was like, oh yeah, Parker, that's that guy. He's, you know, nice or whatever. Except for, specifically, I texted Ashley out of the blue and was like, if you say wash a lot of times over and over, it kind of sounds like a washing machine. And she was like, what in this whole world are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, what if what if I was normal in every regard except for I loved just telling people that fact and just multiple times specific or one. some other like very abstract, random, non sequitur, mm-hmm. not even important thing to where like a new person would come up to somebody else that I know and be like, yeah, I met Parker the other day. He seems pretty nice um he told me some random thing about wash washing machine or the wash sound or whatever and they'd be like oh yeah no he's, he's a he, cool guy he does he, that that's he really does love to talk about that. just seems like i don't know it's somebody who would say a random fact like that so many times would also be somebody i don't know if you take a piece of aluminum foil and yeah. wrap a little bit of thread uh-huh. um wrap it around a little bit of thread uh and leave it sit for 10 minutes in the sun it will catch on fire i want to do that it's not even close to true, but <laughs> I but also you just was like, people stuff like I that. don't <laughs> think that that's true. Only because if you put aluminum foil in the oven, it doesn't get that hot. No. Like it heats well, up the things inside it, of it though. It will be so. hot when it's in the oven, yeah. but when you pull it out, yeah. it, it has such a low like heat index yeah. that it just loses it. Yeah. Immediately. What a great time. Speaking yeah, of anyways. heat and fire, um, the Akame next. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally derailed myself on that. Um, so I it's appreciate you, you guys bringing that. us that's back. That's your fault. It surely is. And then the fire nation attacked. Uh, <laughs> um, that's the one. Uh, so my friend Shashank pointed out that the last song on each of these EPs is, it's a shorter song typically, it'll be like a two, two and a half minute song of some sort. The first half of that last song from each EP will be its own thing, and then the second half of it is all the same melody and same like tune, but kind of from a different angle, same lyric, I mean, sorry, different lyrics, same melody and all that stuff, and, um... And, you know, all sound like the fire one sounds like fire, the water one sounds like Mm -hmm. water and stuff. So it's kind of like you don't really notice until you pay attention to it. And it's like, oh, man, that's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to show those. But like if you're curious about that at all, 100 percent go listen to it. So now I'm going to speed roll a little bit of like bits from each of their albums. And um, yeah, so this one is the beginning of one song. And I'll let you guys guess what, uh, you know. Element. Which element, element it is. is. Actually, here, I'll do it out of order so you got to guess. 
Okay, what's your guess for that one? Well, I would have said wind until the very end of it. <laughs> I'm going to guess... Me think fire. I'm going to guess water because of that. F- the, the feedback-y guitar almost sounded like a wishy-washy wave, yeah. kind of. So that one is water. If you heard the whole song, it would sound more like it probably too. Um, but yeah, it's, and it gets kind of like, it's called night diving and that one's instrumental and it gets more and more like, kind of like you're going deeper and deeper in the ocean. So when it gets kind of heavier is like kind of the depths of the ocean or that kind of a thing. Uh, so yeah, that's that one. Uh, here, I'll go ahead and play this one just from the beginning and you'll guess real quick. I speak in many tongues to many men. All right, what was that one? Uh, Earth. That was Borium. <laughs> you <Yeah>. did. <laughs> Borium. <laughs> it was, was not boring him. Thank you very much. It was very <laughs> interesting. Um, I didn't say boring. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so that was Earth. Also, the fun thing I think about the Earth EP Earth. is I think they uh, recorded it all in one sitting in one room and like they switch around instruments a little bit. Oh, nice. I could be totally wrong on this. It's just my guess. But um, at the end of this song, going into the next one, and actually at the beginning of this song too, there's like footsteps. Shuffling. Hmm. Yeah. And so I'm pretty sure any of the space between songs is just like they recorded straight through and it's them going tick, 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 walking over to the mm-hmm. next instrument and then starting to play that. That's uh, really fun. It's super fun. And because the whole thing is just very seamless all mm-hmm. the way through. So, uh, so yeah, that was Earth. And then now let's do this one. Let's What was that one? Fire! Fire. Yeah! PK Fire! <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I, I was also, a side note, I was kind of disappointed when I... So, because they were f- quite a heavy band in their early days, and then they became a little bit less heavy for a good while. And the Fire album was fairly heavy. And then I was like, ah, oh, wind is going to be light. And well, so fire was heavy, water is uh, light, wind's going to be light, and then earth is going to be heavy. And then Earth was, you know, what it was, mm-hmm. and I was disappointed by that yeah. for a bit. But I'm I'm very glad about it now that it was yeah. what it ended it up. Shows being. more diversity, but it maybe is a little counterintuitive than heavy yeah. metal. You right. would think, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then last but not least, uh, I mean, process of elimination. This is <laughs> from the Wind EP. think that was wrong i don't know what i really like about that actually is that water used a lot of delay Uh so it Mm -hmm. had that kind of washiness but then the wind used a lot of reverb yeah it used to delay so it didn't have the same like echo kind of cascade but it still had some like breath to it yeah and there's a lot of keys stuff too in the um that one song that we just heard didn't have as much key stuff or not that we just heard but the night diving didn't have as much key stuff but then others in the water ep have a lot more like keys based Mm -hmm. stuff whereas the um 
wind one is a lot of like higher guitar mm. doodlies and Doodle. that yes. kind of stuff. A lot of like pull offs and hammer ons yeah. and stuff. Uh, I also noticed a lot more space in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah to let sure. that reverb definitely. There's play a song, out. the song "Broken Lungs" on that one. If you're, if you just want to go and check out something, is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, actually, that's the one about 9/11. Uh, but it's, oh, it's so good. I actually wrote a paper on it in high school yeah, in my yeah. IB <laughs> music class. Nice. Yep. I compared it to. We had to compare two pieces of music, and I compared that to Ferdé Grofé, um, <laughs> who wrote "The Storm," which is. Uh, uh, what's the word? Something music that sounds like uh, program music. It's, oh, yeah, 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 it's a program program piece, and then mm. Broken Lungs kind of also is for that paper. I think I compared uh, the Fall of Troy's X Creations nice to uh, Bach's Toccata and Fugue. Ah, nice. Mm. Yeah. For that paper, I compared Darude's Sandstorm to. <laughs> To, to, smash oh. to Smash Mouth's <laughs> Sandstorm. <laughs> cool. All right, so that's uh, I've talked about that all together too much now, but um, and I could say a whole lot more, but I won't. That's yeah, it. Okay. You have more things to talk about that than I do about my second thing. Anyway, <laughs> so this is going to be a fairly short one, but I uh, I mostly just wanted to talk about Say Anything. If I'm being honest, and um, I really <laughs> like Say Anything a lot. Their first album is Buckwild. Oh yeah, big parental advisory on this one. If you go out and check out Say Anything's music, that dude says some whack stuff. So just like be cautious. <laughs> he says some whack stuff. Um, he he's a really interesting songwriter and, and wrote most of their first album uh, and like a lot of the instrumentation that went along with that too. And it's very interesting and it's very like about his own mental illness and like how he dealt with that and his like self-medication and also just his frustration with like hipster culture. It's it's really interesting. It's a very and sexuality in general. It's Hmm. it's a really interesting album. And but it's mostly about like his struggle with a lot of different things. So when it came time for this album to come out, he wrote um 27 songs at least and it's like a big two-part album that like the first one has 14 or 13 songs and the second one has 13 or 14 songs Mm -hmm. and uh they are all pretty crazy he had a ton of guest stars come on like uh aaron gillespie was one of them Haley williams was on Mm -hmm. this uh gerard way from my chemical romance gerard butler from gerard butler and maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know (laughs) john cusack from say anything (laughs) (laughs) from the movie say anything yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but this whole album is sort of like his response to the first album of like, okay, I'm done with just talking about myself. And now I'm going to talk about like his interpersonal relationships with everybody else. And so this is what he kind of said about the whole thing. Um, this him being, uh, Max Bemis. Um, he said, it's the story of being alone and losing my mind and then overcoming that event by learning to trust and letting go of that anger and fall in love for the first time. It's also about losing that love and the confusion that entails after and the nature of first love, discovering what you really want, whether it to be to give yourself totally to someone or explore the endless abyss and risk losing your mind again. And that love the dudes kind of had a hard time with Mm -hmm. like just his mentality in general. Um, and that really shows about some of his like song topics and the kinds of things that he talks about and it, growing up in sort of a religious family also um, 
dude's just got a lot of thoughts in his head. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't think he had a very good system of like how to, who to talk to those things to. Um, I think he's doing a lot better now. He's That's actually good. married to one of the Isley sisters. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And so she, I think, uh, not, uh, one not, of the Isley sisters is also married to him. Darren King and him <laughs> at the same time. Uh, Whoa. No, yeah. Whoa, mistakes. Uh, the one that's married to Max Bemis is, I really should know oh. her name at this time, uh, Sherry Dupree Bemis. Oh, uh, yeah. She's she's really like the main Isley girl uh-huh. now um, of the three sisters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Alyssa would hurt me if I didn't know. Who's the, who's the most Isley one? Though? The most Isley Isley. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so I was just going to show a little clip from... Oh, man. Sorry. I used to have a heart, uh, which is like the second to last song on that album. Um, yeah. Lots of cool guitar parts. He's a really interesting song. Like again, he just tends to be really interesting in the like metaphors that he uses and the things mm-hmm. that he talks about. But I can't stress it enough. Parental advisory. <laughs> he curses so much and says just crazy things sometimes. Yeah. So and talks a lot about sex. <laughs> a lot about sex. It's hard. I mean, with whenever I go to my last one after Matt does his and stuff. Um, it's hard to like show concept albums too from just one song or like, yeah. especially depending on the kind of concept. Like it's um, again, thrice is because it it implements itself in a lot of different veins. It's really easy to show this sounds like this mm-hmm. thing and this other thing sounds like this and blah, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh but yeah. It's, by the way, this is the uh, the the third album they actually put out. It's in defense of the genre. I don't think I ever said the name of the album. Nice. <laughs> That's it. By <laughs> saying anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just hard to. It's hard to like depict that in so many in ways. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, we're still just talking about concept albums, I guess, just as a whole as well, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and their topics and stuff. So yeah, honestly, it's just one of the things you gotta go listen to them. Yep. yep. If you're if you're at all interested, and you're a person who likes to listen to more than one song by mm-hmm. an artist, which there are not a lot of folks out there like that. I've come to discover a lot of people will just yeah. be you know they're like one and done. I, I like this song by this artist, and then like I want the next artist. And, yeah, I mean, I, I do like putting music I on like shuffle for yeah. sure. I mean, that's a great thing about like Discover Weekly or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the uh, t- also the purpose of it is to discover stuff to then listen to more of it, yeah. and then listen to it as an album or whatever. Yeah, generally I mean, speaking, I'd, the only time I would put on like a playlist of random songs is if I'm like either showing a group of people some different songs mm-hmm. or like. I'm in a group setting. Mm-hmm. If I'm by myself, it's 100% of the time going to be like, I'm just going to listen to an album. Yeah. Or even mm-hmm. if even if I don't think I'm going to make it all the way through the album, like I'll just start something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there are songs that I've heard on like Discover Weekly or just one-off songs that I didn't like until I listened to the full album. And then I heard them in context of that album. And I guess maybe that, that makes the album a concept album maybe not but <laughs> i don't know i think some songs fit better in in a certain point in an album than they do just as themselves mm-hmm. makes it a context album a context yeah. context mm, album you go what a pro <laughs> no i mean that's definitely a thing i mean just 
because there are plenty of albums where there's a vibe that like mm-hmm. the whole thing sets itself up well for the rest of the songs but i wouldn't call it a concept album just because i i feel like a lot of it does to come down to mind space and purpose behind the writing of it more so than just like how it happened to turn out um, yeah you know, like, or not even happen to turn out like, cause that's, that makes it sound like it wasn't intentional to write an album that sounds consistent, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, if, at least for me as a writer, I would distinguish it if, if I were to write two albums and one of them was just like, like here, I'm just, I'm going to write a bunch of songs and then I write a bunch of songs and they're all about things of, of like how I feel about something or what I think about stuff or whatever, but like all things from my perspective versus then write another album, even if the songs all sound different, but they're kind of from perspectives that aren't my own. I, to me, that's kind of what defines it or, or about, yeah, picking a specific topic and like, let's deep dive into this, right? you know, even if it's from my perspective, but of like all these aspects of this one thing, equivalent to writing an essay about a thing yeah. compared to, I don't know, writing an email, you know, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Mm. those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Just good thoughts. Thanks, man. Penny for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the next one I want to talk about uh, where's that? Where's that pony? Penny? Pony? Penny pony? I'm done. Sorry, keep anyone, going. I don't think anyone has pennies anymore. My next one is uh, an artist that I have been really, really enjoying lately. Well, for like the last two years, he's one of my favorites. I think he's the best modern jazz uh, saxophonist, probably composer around. It's Kamazi Washington, and I wanted to pick this particular. This is an EP that I'm going to talk about. And I want to pick it in particular because there are no lyrics. I I consider this a concept album purely from a musical standpoint. And the first time you listen to it, if you, like it, it, it is an EP that does force you to like if you really want to get the reward and the satisfaction at the end, you do have to listen to the whole thing. And it's an EP, but it could be considered an album. It's pretty lengthy. So the the EP consists of five songs that are all under four minutes. Uh, or maybe a little bit longer than four minutes, like roughly three and a half minutes on average. And then the last song, the sixth song, is a 13-minute epic. <laughs> and uh, what what makes this EP so good and so clever is the fact that if you listen to each of the five songs on their own, they all consist of a specific melody. And they're all good. They're all really strong, like good jazz melodies. And then when you get to that last song, it is all of those melodies put together into this completely beautiful epic song uh and i i didn't have any idea that that's what the last song was so the first time you listen to this you're like okay that's a good song like some of them you kind of wish that there was more Mm because there's not like a this is not a freeform jazz album there's like very little improvisation on this because it was all meant to basically it's they're all puzzle pieces that are meant to form this this big end puzzle of a song and I don't know how it was written. I don't know if it was, you know, each song was written first and then this one song was made or this one song was made with all of these beautiful melodies that blend so well mm-hmm. together and then they decided to dissect that. But either way, it's so clever and so well done. And I, that to me is a concept because it's a theme. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's unheard of by any means to have something lyric list to be a kind of concept album-esque or whatever in the sense that or tell a story in any case because like i mean think of classical music just as far as the rite of spring by stravinsky yeah like that's 
hundred percent. You know, like there's a story being told. It's also a ballet, so like sure, yeah, that's, there's that too. But if you take the ballet away, there was an intention of a story mm-hmm. being told through just the music as well. And like, yeah, I mean, plenty of other classical music that does the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, like Pliny, there's a, a three P thing where there's one motif that keeps coming back, and like it's not. Um, necessarily like through everything but there's a couple different recurring things and mainly one motif and then the last song of the three EPs just kind of teases that one motif for a while and builds it up and then like it's culminates that plus some of the other motifs as well and it's like there it is you've been waiting for it this whole time and like um, yeah so I think definitely just within music in and of itself you can have concepts yeah and i'm still curious as to the writer's intentions with it because if there's supposed to be like a story or that like means something that'd be cool to know but i don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if it's necessary for it to have some to mean something to the listener either yeah i don't know but i wanted to play a little bit of uh a few of the tracks off of this record and then uh give you just a sample of like the the final one but yeah this record was pretty pretty panned when it came out because two years prior uh kamazi washington had released in his first album his debut album which is called the epic and it's it's a beast of a jazz record it's like over two hours long and and then this one came out and people were like well wait like what happened to all the epicness this is kind of a (laughs) ripoff it was an ep and it was only supposed to be an ep but i thought it was so well done and so clever maybe not as grand as the first record but it was just it's it's so good so uh, i want to play a little bit of the very first song it's called desire and the ep is called harmony of difference Okay, and then the next one is uh, the very next track. It's called Humility. Okay, and then a couple tracks later, there's one called Perspective. so okay so those are those are just a few of the the first couple tracks and like i said all of those are you know they're pretty distinct melodies that you get and they get repeated throughout the songs um but they're all pretty short um there's like i said little improvisation and then the last track shows up and it's 13 minutes long and that last song is called truth and this is why the record is called harmony of difference and you're gonna hear it now
So yes. w- were all of them in there? They were all okay. in there. So some of the instrumentation switched around. Like yeah. you, you probably heard uh, the marimba was doing the ba doo ba doo ba doo ba doo instead of the saxophone this time, and there was a there was a guitar doing the boom boom boom. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So it kind of switched just to help that all those melodies blend better. So some of them got pushed to the back. But uh, as the song progresses, they all get their shining moment pretty much. And man, this song just like goes. It it gets really, really heavy and groovy at the end. And it's just all of those things blending so well together. But It reminds me very different in some regards, but it reminds me of the Terrytown quest in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's so in Zelda, cute. Where it's, you're building a town and you have to like uh, recruit people to come kind of help build that town and stuff. And so you go to these different towns that they have their own musical motifs mm-hmm. and themes when you in those ones. And then after you've recruited them, you realize that the Terrytown music for this town that you're recruiting for, the music is like, Evolved it's and like, now like it, it included an instrument. Or yeah, something it included that motif place. from their um, from their village. I think we we talked about we this did. on the video game. Yeah, episode, yeah. and it's just it's my favorite thing. I <laughs> yeah, love it so much because so it was one of those things. I noticed it as it was happening. Like after I'd brought a couple people over, I was like, "This wasn't like this before." I don't think. And then I went to that other place. Like, That's the same. Yeah. Thing? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so fun to, to yeah. figure that stuff out, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, I'll go pretty quick through my last stuff, um, but first of all, I guess I should note too that um, Ocean Architecture I mentioned before, I think I mentioned this at some other time when we talked about transitions maybe, but that that album was a concept album, or maybe when we talked about lyrics, I don't know, but I didn't actually write the lyrics for, I wrote the lyrics for one of the songs of the eight on the album, and then all the other ones other people wrote but i was the singer so like whatever <laughs> so they don't matter um, so uh yeah but it was a concept album so that was fun i'm not gonna play stuff from that right now but uh sorry man <laughs> what a tease um, but but yeah that was a concept album it was a lot of fun uh and the concept was kind of like somebody kind of just getting like lost in philosophy almost but like mm. stuck in their own head and like existentialism and kind of like losing track and wanting to like kind of keep the outside world out and spending an eternity in their own mind, that kind of thing. Um, which is all sorts of fun. Uh, <laughs> and the music somewhat reflected that as well and blah, blah, blah. There were some really cool musical things that the other guys did because they were mostly part of the writing process and I was just there to record the stuff <laughs> and then play the shows with them and sing along and we, we all had a grand old time. Did you did you turn it up? I <laughs> turn it up! <laughs> <laughs> Nice be a little bit louder. Um, the last one that I'm going to talk about, I feel like I thought of one earlier that I wanted to just like mention as an aside, but I don't remember what it was. So mm-hmm. uh, we did mention Illinois earlier, and I feel like an argument could be made that um, it was on most of those lists. Okay, yeah, well. Illinois but and Michigan. It's totally a concept. Those, yeah, those are concept, concept albums because it's you know you're writing about like just all these songs about Michigan and different places in Michigan. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know who would just be like, you know what? I feel like writing a lot of songs and like, Oh, this one's going to happen to be about the Michigan. And then you show up 15 songs later and it's like, well, all of them were about <laughs> Michigan locations. You know, well, jeepers, <laughs> to well, be fair, Willikers. the new gorillas album has one song. That's just kind of about Idaho for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know why. Uh, no, you Um, <gasps> 
I don't get it. Let's keep it civil. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this last one, uh, I'm going to play something from one of the songs, but it's going to be fairly irrelevant, <laughs> musically speaking. But there's a band called Forevermore, and they're similar to Silent Planet that I've played before, so just like very metal core kind of stuff, uh, yeah. kind of progressive metal core, uh, very heavy and lots of fun. Uh, but the, the concept of it is uh, Spiral Dynamics. Do you know what that is at all? Um, so it's a, it's like essentially what Myers Briggs is to like psychology oh. and personality kind of evaluation mm. and simplification stuff is spiral dynamics to sociology kind so like of groups of people sort okay. of. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's not just, it's both kind of sociological and psychological. Um, so the sociology, it's essentially there's tiers of like progression within individuals and also within groups of people. Um, I don't remember them off the top of my head. I looked them up earlier cause I'd heard about them on a podcast a couple of times, but, um, uh, essentially like the first stage is beige and it's like unawareness, just like animal instincts. You just do what you mm. are, you know, that kind of thing. And then it's, it, it kind of goes from that to like, it's about all about me and like whatever's good for me and just like survive. And then the next one is you understand other people, but you also just want to dominate. And so you want to survive and win. So you like work with other people, but only to like, you don't really work with other people. It's, you know, kind of caveman-y. And then from there, a little bit more like agriculturally, where you work with other people, but for me, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes up to a point where it becomes more and more kind of self-aware um, mm. and that kind of thing. So there's different colors associated with each of those. And so there's 11 tracks on the album, but two of them are uh, instrumentals. And the other nine ones are each represent, and all the lyrics are about one of the stages of that spiral dynamic level. Uh, and so it's it's interesting it's something that applies again like sociologically like with you know cavemen and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff and where we're at now but then it also applies largely like when you're a baby you're just doing things instinctually and then eventually you're kind of selfish and then you care about other people and blah 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 blah, blah and self-awareness and that kind of stuff so it's Speak I mean for yourself yeah <laughs> exactly uh, it's I mean it's interesting in and of itself but then it's also just fun they made an album yeah regarding cool it and um yeah, the I mentioned I, I won't go into any kind of detail at all about the concept album that I'm thinking about making, but it's a similar kind of thing where it's like put yourself in these different songs in each different perspective, and then kind of write from that perspective, um, which I guess is kind of similar-ish to again the Emery album where mm -hmm. it's like all these different perspectives, except for that one is a little less linear than this one mm. would be but yeah. uh yeah i'll just go ahead and play a little bit of um of one of the songs from the album here's just the beginning of the song overlord uh i believe this is from the red stage of spiral dynamics which is the third one which is just wanting to dominate dominate yeah mm -hmm. take stuff over and be in charge and all that kind of stuff which musically speaking everybody be like oh well i see why this one's like that <laughs> uh, but the other songs are also kind of like yeah. this musically so <laughs> whatever right. here it goes I 
I love this kind of music. (laughs) (laughs) When it's done well, and I feel like it is done well in this case, uh, it's still like Silent Planet is still my favorite as far as this kind of stuff goes. But uh, yeah, it just it's good and lots of fun. Mm -hmm. It's technical and and just uh, hits you right in the feels. Hits you right Right there. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. I'll I'll give closing thoughts on concept stuff after you guys do your last ones too. But that was my last example. So, this one was not something that I'd ever really thought of as being a concept album necessarily, but I looked at a bunch of lists today, and it was listed a couple of times as a concept album. And actually, Death Cap for Cutie has two albums that are fairly widely regarded as being concept albums. Hmm. Um, And this is something that I kind of touched on, too, when we were talking about lyrics to begin with, because both both Matt and I brought a song from this album. Um, and the album is Transatlanticism, which I would argue actually is probably my favorite album that has ever existed. Um, if I had to pick one, this would be it. Um, cause I think it's just a fantastic album. Like musically it, I have drawn so much inspiration from it. And then lyrically for like different parts of my life, this album has actually been very applicable. Um, because pretty much the entire album has to do with a long distance relationship. And there's been several different parts of my life that I've been in long distance relationships, at least three that I can think of, um, where a lot of this album kind of spoke to me on that level. And so I've always known that this album had that thread, like, oh, you know, a lot of that album's about long-distance relationships. And I think in that discussion of lyrics, I said, like, this the song Transatlanticism is sort of this, like, crescendo of all of those feelings and mm-hmm. what he's expressing about, like, the desire to not have them leave. Because um, this song primarily is about you know, somebody moving across the Atlantic Ocean and right. sort of all this, the different feelings that kind of go with that. Um, but I, yeah, so this one got brought up and I, I was, I, I, I mean, I just have to talk about it because it's my favorite <laughs> album. It's my favorite album that exists. And if it's it kind of fits into this, this sort of idea, I, I want to kind of explore that. But I think it totally does. Yeah. yeah. I, the other album that they mentioned in that was We Have the Facts and We're Voting Yes, which again, I hadn't ever really thought about it. But when, when I heard that and thought, started to actually think about it, yeah, most of that album is about the death of a relationship and remembering the highlights and then having to go to the wedding of somebody that you were previously in a relationship with. Interesting. Um, and so like the beginning of that album is very sort of tumultuous and then the beginning is like sort of reminiscent. And then the ending is that like just slog of like, I don't want to go to this wedding. Like, <laughs> yeah. This sucks. I hate this. Um, and all of that sort of idea, um, which I would probably say that's my second favorite Death Cab album. So I don't know. There's a theme here of like, yeah. I really like it when they're thematic. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, this, I, I'm just going to play a little excerpt from Transatlanticism um, just part of the second verse or whatever. And some of the like main theme. just listening to it on saturday on our drive down to columbia nice it's super good it's a good one and especially for this song like having such the crescendo that it does and being such a simple song like there's really not a ton going on and like the drum beats just yeah 
for like literally three or four minutes of the end of the song. And it's super effective and makes a lot of sense. (laughs) It's super effective. Super effective. (laughs) Yeah. Take more of the It's crazy how much like how much simplicity is in this album. Uh, in that song in particular it's Mm -hmm. there's not much complexity going on but it 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 just makes it so there's a lot of heart to it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's all feeling yeah (laughs) do you know when just out of curiosity Mm -hmm. uh last week in the middle bit matt talked about a podcast Mm -hmm. that um do you are you gonna go on there i was gonna bring this up um yeah yes uh i gave a plug to a podcast last week if you heard uh called critically acclaimed and um it's sort of similar the host uh jake ramirez takes a an album every week and basically does a a song by song analysis of it Mm -hmm. uh we reached out um through reddit and uh long story short i'm gonna be on an episode on friday and we're talking about this album oh man (laughs) i wish i was gonna be on it (laughs) so send any notes and i will be sure to get them (laughs) on the show yeah Um, but Chad just yeah. sends incorrect notes just to make Matt <laughs> look like, bad. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about this album. So uh, it's got music and guitars. Then there get fiddles. No, it, this is a really, really good album. It was entirely recorded with theremin. There were no guitars involved. <laughs> that would be really impressive, actually. I think this this album breathes really well, and that mm-hmm. I mean that sounds stupid to say, but no, like it's, it's got so many yeah. like the, the well, song the, like, listing. Yeah, uh, this song goes from like like each all the song has little lanticisms. Like, mm-hmm. Transitionalism. It just like every song will end with some sort of noise happening, and mm-hmm. even this song, the very beginning of it, there's like the remnants of a drum a drum part from the previous song that's just sort of mm-hmm. echoing throughout mm-hmm. the first little bit of the song, and just little noises kind of make up the entire album yeah 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 i really really enjoy that album indeed super good that's good i want to talk about it more later yeah you are <laughs> so be sure to listen to yeah that. let us know where to listen to that <laughs> yeah. too when that happens i'll talk about it more later no you cool. won't okay mm, <laughs> bye guys uh the last one that i wanted to talk about was um one of my favorite concept albums this i mean this album is like so good in, in so many ways, and I don't talk a lot about classic rock on the show, but I had to bring up uh, David Bowie. I don't know David if I've ever talked Bowie. about Bowie. Um, <laughs> one of the most iconic musicians and songwriters of ever. Wait, who is it again? He's a uh, lady. David Bowie. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, got <laughs> it, got it, got it. He's a lady man. Wait, was it? Was it Paul Ruprecht or was it David Bowie? <laughs> Just kidding. I, I love that your David Bowie impression is essentially like the flight of the Concords. Yeah, 100%. Oh, David it's straight Bowie. up Jermaine Clement's <laughs> beat. Bowie. Bowie in space. Oh, in space. <laughs> Uh, so we can end on that no, I mean we're not going to totally. but like I'd be so happy to just end on Bowie and then the outro just kind of fades up from there <laughs> alright David Bowie tell so us more David Bowie's uh, fifth studio album is called The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars it's a very iconic album I guarantee you you've heard at least one song from it uh, but every song on this album was a hit like it was a top number one hit and every song on this album is hit worthy <laughs> like it's a concept album mm-hmm. and the the story uh, the long and short of the premise of this album is that there is a an alien named ziggy stardust who is a hermaphroditic <laughs> rock star uh who leads a band called the spiders from mars and they're all aliens and you find out that earth is going to 
everyone on Earth is going to die in five years. And uh, Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars hear about it, and they travel to Earth to save the world. So it's kind of like it's about like drugs, drugs, uh, being more on drugs, and some drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so just David Bowie. Don't think any sober person could ever come up with this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so be, I mean, I guess be in the in the process of writing this album. David Bowie took on the persona of Ziggy Stardust and, you know, one of his many, many personas that he had throughout his career, but mm-hmm. Ziggy Stardust was probably the most notable. Um, and yeah, this album was a huge success, but it's got some of the, like, just best classic rock songs, some super good, like, uh, timeless guitar riffs and some whacked out lyrics. But <laughs> I, I, I constantly go back to this album just because, like, it, it's one that you might forget, you know, oh, wait, this song is on there. Like, I always forget. Like, hmm. That one's on here. Yeah. And it's so good. And uh, the story that it tells, it kind of, it, it kind of almost doesn't seem like a concept album because during the writing of this record um the the concept of ziggy stardust and that whole idea and that story didn't come about until this record was about halfway done and a lot of the songs were already composed interesting so because of that they didn't want to they didn't want to take away those songs and start from scratch so they just incorporated this story in the middle of whatever else they already had so a lot of the (laughs) content in this record is like a little disjointed it's a little disjointed and you're like well i guess that I guess this song could be intertwined with this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is totally, definitely. <laughs> um, so maybe it's cheating to call this a full-on concept album because it wasn't supposed to be that way from scratch, but it is. And just you know, the way that the tracks are listed out, it makes it make sense. Yeah. Um, but I just want to play a couple examples. So this is the opener from that record. It's called Five Years. Yeah, this uh, just that intro alone. It's it's pretty basic at the beginning, and then it just turns into this weird, chaotic, psychedelic <laughs> mess of a song. Yeah, but it's so good. It was a huge inspiration to me, and a lot of the music that I, that I listen to now, like just whacked out psychedelic stuff mm-hmm. that has weird violin scratches <laughs> and guitar noises in it. Um, but yeah, so that's the opening track off of this, and then uh, the next one that I wanted to play was uh, probably the biggest hit on this album it's called Starman I've definitely heard that one yeah we've all heard that song it's, <laughs> it's ridiculously popular um, but yeah, those, that's just a couple examples. Um, I mean, this song has so many just absolute hits, absolute bangers on it. Uh, Lady Stardust is another song that I would highly recommend listening to because it's just it's such a great jam. Uh, there's a lot of really like freeform jazz influences throughout this record. Hmm. Um, and like I said, just a lot of really iconic guitar riffs and just parts. Um, stuff that really hadn't been done before. This is a really experimental album. I mean, it came out in 1969, so the only other group that was really doing weird stuff like that that was notable was the Beatles. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring like Sgt. Pepper's Only Hardcore well, Band. Yeah. Is that not? Oh, I, it's totally a concept okay. album. Absolutely. It's it's about a fictional band. Yeah. That, like in I guess kind of a similarly like the rise and fall of a fictional band. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's another tripped out, drugged out <laughs> yeah. album yeah. for sure. But I just I love this record so much, and I don't. It's talked about a lot, but I mean, in in the grand scheme of Bowie's career, I think some people tend to forget about it. Hmm. Like as as a full record, like it's known for its hits, right? But like going through and listening to the whole thing, it, it kind of makes it that much more of a like a a stamp on yeah. like rock history. I mean, even that like. How many super famous things are remembered as full albums instead of hits? Even like Thriller by Michael Jackson right. is more remembered as the fact that like, man, all these songs mm-hmm. are on the same album, which is Thriller. You know, yeah. like you, you do remember it as an album, but like more the fact that these t- like 12 super popular songs yeah, are on exactly. there, that kind of thing. Like I can't think really of, uh, no, I mean, there there's other bands that, you know, have popular albums and stuff, but almost exclusively especially with ones like where you know they have other super popular songs like david bowie mm-hmm. then it's easy to just kind of get to fall yeah. in the mix of just songs instead of full albums so yeah mm-hmm. and i mean bowie's one of those artists he had such an expansive career yeah. that like in so many hit songs like famous songs that it, it, and it's it's crazy just to think like any artist who can write a full album of just nothing but hit mm-hmm. songs that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> went on to be crazy popular and it's a concept album like yeah. it, it has a very similar theme all throughout it's yep. just neat to me yep so, man classic rock any closing classic thoughts on rock. concept albums guys mm, of any sort i think the concept mm. of this episode yeah was to talk about concept albums wow i wonder if that's what anyone else got chad what you well you know i didn't i do really know. know so moving along <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, you're good. Yeah, I didn't have anything to go. I was just rattling my brain. <laughs> They're really not for everybody. I, yeah. Like it's it's not like you shouldn't fault somebody for not uh-huh. wanting to dive deep because first of all, they're time consuming and yeah. they force you to to take up a lot of your time to yeah. sit and listen to them and enjoy them for what they're meant to be. And like depending us. on on how they're how they're made or sort of whatever various factors, they might not also be very single friendly or whatever. Like right. the Thrice one, for example, um, their record label was actually really frustrated because they were like, "Oh, okay, four six song EPs, great. There's going to be so many singles yeah. on here because their prior nope. album had at least two pretty big singles, you know, within kind of their subgenre and stuff, and their first two albums." Or the first two EPs, nope, nothing really. And then the second two EPs, there was one kind of single on it. But, you know, that just wasn't the goal to write, like, single-type songs. It was just like, no, here are all the songs, like, need to be on these EPs. I think that's what makes a good concept album (laughs) is when they don't focus on the singles. Right. Fun fact about that, uh, Pink Floyd, when they were writing Dark Side of the Moon, they gave it. They gave the their finished product to the studio, and the studio listened to it. And they said it's good, but there are no hits, and you have to have a hit, or we're not going to put it out. So they wrote money, yeah, and put it on there. But just to make the studio mad, they put money in a seven eight time signature, yeah. which is why it's in a seven eight time signature. Yeah. Ironically, it's the most popular song on the album. Yeah. So it worked. Yeah. Oh man, that's really funny. Yeah, writing hits. That whole thing is really funny. I I'd be interested to have. Um, yeah, some other songwritery people come on and I don't know, whatever. 
different stuff. But yeah, concept albums, lots of fun. Um, hey, that's that's all we've got for today, that's pretty all, much. Folks. Uh, so it, you know, <laughs> feel free to email us at joyseclectic at gmail.com or you know, uh, tweet us at, at joyseclectic or uh, any of that kind of stuff, and let us know what you think about concept albums because legitimately, it would be fun to find other people's opinions than our own because it's still hazy to me. So you could you convince <laughs> me of anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, or if you you know disagree and feel like we're being too loose or not loose enough with concept albums um i mean you know whatever let us know man so, i hope there's somebody really angry out there that's always so. my hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah that's about that uh tune in next week and uh, we'll have another episode up at that point uh we're pretty close to halloween uh, maybe we we'll do something halloween. related to that Ooh, a a spooktacular. Episode. can we do a spooktacular episode oh man <laughs> So, yeah, uh, feel free to rate and review the podcast, too. That would be super, super fantastic. Only if you're going to rate it well. Yeah. If you're going to rate it poorly, just, like, give us that (laughs) feedback individually. (laughs) Which, honestly, I'd love that feedback. Um, And, like, tell your friends and stuff if you can. I'm terrible. I don't tell my friends about shows I listen to besides in person. I don't, like, share Mm -hmm. stuff online. So I totally understand if you don't. But if you're the kind of person that shares stuff online, like, yeah, do it. Or tell your friends in person. Yeah, that's more likely what I'm liable to do. Tell your mom, tell your dad. I've been listening to this neat thing that I think is neat. 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 Neat, 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 neat. Tell your mom, tell neat, your dad, neat, tell your brother, neat, then neat. tell Chad. Oh! Then tell me. Wow. Please, what a clever time. I need to know. What a clever time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, clever there you go. time we live in. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, bye, guys. Talk bye. to you uh, a week from now. Matt and Chad, never a week from before now. that in between. Mm-hmm. See you, everybody. It's a blue ball. <laughs>